Hi, this is Jenny Smith. I'm one of the co-facilitators with the Meta Teacher Action Research Group, and I'm here this afternoon with Stephanie Biller, one of our action researchers, and I'm going to ask her a few questions and get her to talk to us about her action research project. Um, so, Stephanie, first, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself as a teacher, how long you've been teaching, and all that good stuff? Sure. Um, this is my 10th year in fifth grade for the 10 years of this particular school, and I teach all subjects. Um, usually, well, for most of the 10 years, I've had a collaborative class with um, at least five exceptional education students and always a large amount of ELL students, ranging from levels one to level six. And those are, so exceptional students and ELL students and? General ed. General ed, yes. Got it. And yes. collab, does that mean you have someone with you all the time or for certain subjects or sometimes? How does that play out in fifth grade? Um, it depends on the students and their IEPs. So some students need more support than others, and so it just kind of depends year to year on how much. This, this year in particular, I have a lot of support. So there are usually two teachers in here at most points throughout the day. Great. And tell me a little bit about your school. Well, our school is very diverse. We have one of the largest ELL populations in Henrico County for elementary school. We have, I don't even know how many different languages, like at least 20-some different wow. languages that are spoken. Um, I think our largest groups are Spanish, Nepali, and Arabic. It's usually where we have the most need for translators and things. And they, it's very diverse socioeconomically, but we're also Title I. Okay. So we have that additional support, too. And is that represented within your particular class this year, those sorts of... Diversities and ranges of kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so let's talk about your action research project. So what problem was your was your project studying? So I think as teachers, we always are trying to figure out how to do better with classroom management or get students more engaged or just wanting to be invested in their learning. And so I was just thinking about, you know, what behaviors I've seen over the past years of teaching and what can I do to make my students more engaged and it started off more behaviorally mm -hmm. and then kind of changed form over the course of the action research. So when you think about yourself as a teacher and your school in general and maybe even your fifth grade team in particular, what, why did you feel like this was like the, an important problem to address this year? What was, you know, what sort of, as you were thinking about what to land on, why, do you, why did you think that this was a particularly important thing to explore? Well, I think that just because our population is so diverse, a lot of times when you uh, try to do something for one group of students, it usually benefits the group mm -hmm. as a whole. And so our PLC this year was about whole brain teaching strategies. And I just thought, well, gosh, I mean, this isn't just good for like my exceptional education kids or my ELL kids, or is it? Is it good for everybody? And it just started making me ask questions about, um, you know, is this, is this something that's going to benefit my whole class as diverse as they are? That makes sense, yeah. Um, so what was your research question when you started the action research program? So when I started, it was just how can I increase student engagement? It was just very basic. And then as I was going through all the different cycles, I was like, okay, well, I'm seeing changes in their behavior, but what about, like, their effective engagement? 
Um, what about their cognitive engagement? So, like, is it helping them um, to become more invested in their learning? Is it helping them to feel more connected with their school? Um, that kind of thing. So it kind of evolved just from, like, behaviors like talking. Right. Or um, not not working. It just kind of evolved from there. So if you were to say that initially your question was, how can I improve behavior? Like learning, like att really attention mm -hmm. behavior. And then more broadly by the end, what, do you, what would you say your question was by the end? Just with, well, in, in my specific question, research question by the end was with the addition of whole brain teaching strategies, Will students' behavior, behavioral, affective, and cognitive engagement increase during whole group instruction? Because that's really where I was seeing, right. you know, and in fifth grade, we move at such a fast pace, and there's so much material to cover. And so you can't avoid having those times where you are, you know, talk, you're talking and teaching a lot. So, yeah. and that's where I was seeing the disengagement. So um, I kind of narrowed it down to whole group instruction too like if I use these strategies during whole group would it would I see a difference in their engagement right right can you without necessarily getting into like cycle by cycle can you talk for just a second about the idea of whole brain teaching and sort of I know that you did some there was some work with your PLC around that just for folks who may not be educators and don't have any clue what that is sure just kind of touch on that for a little for a minute um whole brain teaching really is this idea of learning through um doing, touching, moving, um, it's affecting all different parts of the brain. Um, for example, and not every strategy affects all parts, but it's, it's this idea that all the strategies combined will. So um, some of the strategies affect their motor cortex, which is making when their students are making gestures that go along with their um, content. The visual cortex, so seeing gestures. The amygdala, which is pleasure and pain. Um, you know, we have a scoreboard and we play against each other. Um, the prefrontal cortex, which is executive functioning. Broca's area, which is speaking. Wernicke's area, which is area, which is listening. The limbic system, which is emotions, and the hippocampus, which is memory for formation. So, all these strategies at least affect some part of some part of that. And do this, are the students aware of like, hey, we're using all parts of your brain right now? Like, have they learned more about their brain through this? We've talked about it because I'll and I'll say to them, okay, we're going to learn a new whole brain teaching strategy today, and they're like, yay, you know. But so we have talked about how these different strategies can help help with their learning and their and their engagement. Okay. So they're very aware. Like when later on, when I conducted student interviews mm -hmm. and I gave them a survey. When I said what whole brain, you know, when I said whole brain teaching strategies, they knew what I meant. Cool. Because we've been using that language. So. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue to the next question. So um, if you can talk a little bit about how sort of you answered your question over the course of your project. So thinking about like from cycle one to now, um, the kinds of data you collected, how you analyzed it, things like that. Mm-hmm. So at first I was just interested in some disengagement behaviors that I was seeing, like talking, playing in the desk, not working, um, and that type of thing. So <clears throat> I created a checklist, and I had one of my exceptional ed aides 
come in and she would observe over a 30 minute whole group lesson and she would just make a tally um, when she saw a student observe, she observed a student with one of those disengagement behaviors. And we had a lot of conversations about, well, talking, what talking is disengagement, what talking isn't disengaged, mm -hmm. you know, so we had a lot of those conversations and tried to, tried to stay on the same page with that. So I originally just had a checklist and then, um, so we did, I did one where no strategies were introduced, so kind of like a baseline. Mm -hmm where no strategies were introduced. And then for each cycle, I would collect four more as I was introducing new mm -hmm. strategies. So the strategies that I introduced in September, we were still using in October, but I had added some more. Got it. And then in November, we were still using all the ones, but adding more. And one thing I added to the checklist over time was just a space to write in what were the kids doing or maybe why, or what was going on in the class? Was it a partner activity, or was it um, was it a, during a video or during a lecture? Like when were these disengagement behaviors okay. happening? And so, funny enough, one of one of the things that I saw is a lot of kids when they were out of their seat, it was because of snack. Mm -hmm. Like so, they so were they really disengaged? Right, because. They were out of their seat just throwing their trash away, but the, does that mean that they weren't listening right. while they were doing it? So, so, like, along the way, I had to get more specific about... That made me think more about, well, what is engagement? Mm -hmm. And if they're talking about what they're supposed to be talking about, is that disengagement? You know, if, about the subject area, is that really disengagement? Or... So it just made me think a lot about what that is. Yeah, I have lots of follow-up questions I want to ask about that. Um, that's really cool. Um, but first, I want to ask you, what were some of the, and you don't necessarily have to describe all of them, but what were some of the strategies that you tried with your class that were especially meaningful and definitely got the results that you were looking for and you felt like, like you'll continue to use them forever and ever? When I, and this is, I didn't, I had a feeling and I, I knew what I wanted the kids to say when I interviewed them, but I interviewed, um, Two females, one was a gen ed student, one was uh, an e a level three ELL student. I interviewed two other boys, one was exceptional ed and one was general ed student. And all of them, you know, looking at patterns across the interviews, loved the teach okay. And that's when we would have some kind of movement that would go along with the content that we are studying. Mm -hmm. And so, however I said teach, they would turn to their partner and say, okay. So if I yelled teach, they would yell okay, turn to their elbow partner and repeat the direction, repeat whatever was said, the movements that went along with it, okay. and then they would switch. Okay. And so I just heard from them repeatedly how much, like when they're taking a test, they think about the movements. Mm -hmm. And it's listening and it's repetition, and it's just using all those different parts of your brain. It's just you're building those connections just right. over and over with repetition. And I just heard from them that that was the major, the major piece. And then also letting them come up with their own, like for vocabulary, I put them in pairs, and they have to make up their own movement and teach it to the class. 
Oh, cool. And so now I've kind of given them the teacher role, and they're coming up with, right. it, with it, and which is making it stick with them even more. Yeah, and it seems like, like it's really transferred. Like, the strategies become something that they, it's a go-to for them to actually, like, learn. Right, right. That's ideal. So I think that's probably been the most beneficial one. And you can use it with even just giving directions. Mm -hmm. You know, teach your partner, you know, teach. And then they have to turn to their partner and say, do your homework, front and back, you know, and that just the nice. the repeating. So front it goes, and back. yeah, but so it goes with you. Really can use it for anything, yeah. and they enjoy it. One little girl even said, "When I'm a teacher, I'm gonna do that because I just think it's so good." Oh, I love that. That's <laughs> when, awesome. I, when I'm a teacher, I'm gonna do it. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, that's so cute." That is awesome. So you, it sounds like you collected a couple of kinds of data. You had some checklists where you were sort of documenting what was happening in your classroom as far as behavior and engagement was concerned as you were trying out new strategies. Right. And then you also did some student interviews to kind of get their perspective on what was happening and how they were feeling about it. Am I, am I leaving? Were there other ways you collected data? I gave them a survey. I did, there really wasn't any way, though, to, sh to gauge whether it was the whole brain teaching that was making them feel mm -hmm. a certain way about school. I use some questions from like the Gallup poll right. and then made, you know, kind of tweaked them a little bit and then came up with some of my own questions. But overall, and I think generally in elementary school, kids feel like they belong at school. They, they're, they're in such a um, nurturing environment, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like in a little, just like in their little bubble that I think for the most part, elementary kids really do feel safe and feel good about school for the most part and that and that's what I saw in the survey but and that's I, what you were looking for like what how they how they felt about their school experience yeah yeah that was more like the the effective engagement piece okay um um what would you say were some of the challenges of your study what was what were some of the struggles that you kind of had to tackle along the way as you were pursuing your question Number one, finding the time to collect data and to have somebody do it for me. So that was definitely a challenge. How did you how did you tackle that? I would just make a plan with my and I didn't want to have take data, you know, three days back to back to back. Right. Wanted to, you know, spread it out, have a few days in between data collection. And so I would sit with my aide and say, Okay, we gotta like set a date, you know, if you could come in make sure that you're in, you know, these times or when, let's look at your schedule and let's pencil in when it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was one of the struggles, but, and also had student teacher. And, right. and so it, so it was interesting though, because she was really interested in it and she would implement. So I taught her the strategy. She read the book and then she would introduce new strategies to them, and I became the observer while she was the teacher. And so it was interesting to be on the other end of it because, you know, while you're teaching, sure. you don't notice every little yeah. thing, you know. And I would describe my classes maybe a little um, quietly inattentive mm -hmm. so they're not in your face about not paying attention. Right. And so it was just really interesting to be on the other end of it. But then... That, I mean, she only taught full-time for two weeks, and so, but we were, you know, we worked it out. We, when you were watching her implement the strategies, did that, like, impact the way you, when it was your, when you, like, took the baton again, did you, 
was watching someone else do it helpful for you when you were thinking about how to continue with the strategies when you were in in charge? Yeah, absolutely, because we would talk about it Mm -hmm. and reflect, you know, she would reflect on her day, and we would talk about the strategies, and she would say, you know... I'm thinking tomorrow maybe I should do such and such. And I think as teachers, as we introduce something new, a new lesson, a new, you read aloud a new book, you do anything, you're always reflecting on how to make it better. So seeing her do it and helping her with her reflection, it kind of gave me the chance to just jump in and yeah. and kind of know what to do the first time Yeah, that, that I was doing yeah. it. Because she had worked out the kinks. So... Nice, nice advantage of a student teacher there. Yeah. Um, other challenges besides finding the time? Um, I don't think so. I really enjoyed it. I really, in, like, enjoyed looking at the data and especially talking to the kids about it. Mm-hmm. When you interviewed kids, um, how, many, how many of your students did you interview? And were they one-on-one or were they in groups? So I interviewed four, and it was one-on-one. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want them to just feed off each other and agree with what somebody else said right. if that's not really yeah. how they thought. And so a lot of them had different things to say, but I saw, as I was interviewing them, some definite patterns in there, like about the teach okay, that mm-hmm. strategy they really liked, um, that import- their learning is important to them mm-hmm. and that they think that the strategies have helped them retain information better. Also, that so much about how, like, having friends is so important. How did that come up? Because the kids are allowed to turn and talk. Okay. And so, <clears throat> so many times, we, if, you know, if we're, get, if we're getting on a roll of something, just stopping and letting them turn and just talk to mm-hmm. a neighbor. And their neighbor might not necessarily, it's not going to be their, their best friend. Right. So it's kind of getting them to make new connections with oh, that's their classmates too. That's a that's a cool side side effect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so something you said earlier that I want to go back to now is uh, thinking about what you learned throughout this process. Um, and there are two things that you've talked about that I want you to maybe expand on a little bit. It sounds like you learned a lot about engagement um, and like what engagement might look like and how you might define it through this process. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I. I guess I just thought about engagement before as paying attention Mm -hmm. and just sitting up and looking and looking like you're, you're looking like you're engaged, you know, because that's the kind of student that I was. And, but you have, it's made me think beyond, well, you know, if this kid is sitting there and he's doodling on his paper, Mm You know, and I had so many conversations with my aide about this. Like, are you, did you are you going to tally that as him not listening, and not working? Because just because he's doodling on his paper, doesn't mean that he's not listening to what I'm saying. Right. And and then when I became the observer, I was looking at like, okay, these two over here are talking a little bit longer than they're supposed to, but they're talking about what we're learning. Mm-hmm. And so, do I really consider that to be? disengagement right so I guess just looking beyond the outward behavior Mm -hmm. uh, and and talking to the kids I asked some of them you know is there anything you'd change about any of the strategies and one of them was like yeah I don't really like this one where we clap three times I'd rather just clap two times because (laughs) then it's 
But if a kid, if one of the, if, if I had seen a pattern with those kids saying, I really don't like this strategy, you know, why would I continue to right. use it? Right. And then when they tell me they really do like something, well, I'm just going to use it even more. So just talking to the kids about how they feel about them being engaged during class. Yeah. And what's working for them. Yeah. I love, I really love like the clear line between the way you analyzed your data and then how that directly impacted the way you were looking at students and looking at their behaviors. I think that's, I really like that about your project. Um, so what do you, how do you think this will influence your future practice and your future research? When you think about like next year and other research you might do or just in your own classroom, how do you think this project will impact your teaching in the future? I just think, well, first of all, I'm always going to do whole brain teaching. Like, if you were in my classroom last year to this year, it's just so different. Just so, I don't even know how to describe how different it is. But I'm going to ask you to. I know. <laughs> um, more, you know, it, I guess the whole brain teaching, a lot of it has more, is more structured, too, where, you know, I may say, think, pair, share. And the kids would turn and they talk to their partner and maybe one of them talk and one of them wouldn't. Right. And it, you know, there were, there were obvious, you know, um, downfalls to things like that. I mean, I would still have them talk. I would still, you know, we, all those things that all of us, all of us do all the time, but these strategies are just, um, they're more routine. Mm -hmm. And so the kids, it's like a well-oiled machine mm -hmm. once you get going. You know, like my math class isn't as good with it because I don't have them all day. Okay. So you can see a huge difference between my homeroom kids and my math kids. Okay. Because my home my homeroom kids are just on it. They know exactly what to do. They're so enthusiastic. And so it also just it's like just becomes ingrained in the culture of your room. Yeah. And I also think that it's really motivating. It's really motivating to students. And you're not it's not like you're throwing all the strategies with at them at one time. You're just gradually, so it's always fresh. Right. There's always something new. And they've just taken over a lot of, I don't know, I just feel like they've taken over a lot of their learning so themselves. Do you feel like, I like the idea that um, like when you say that your classroom is different this year than it was last year, how does, like, what does that mean for you as a teacher? Like, how do you think about that or feel about that or... I feel like, gosh, you know, when you think you've been teaching for 10 years, you, like, know what you're doing, and you, you know, but this, it's just, it's gotten me really excited. It's, it's, it's made it more exciting for me, too. You know, this is something totally new, and that by doing this action research, I can actually back it up when I go to my PLC and say, guys, this strategy really helped my kids with blah, blah, blah. I'm not the... They're not take, just taking my word for it. I can be like, look. Right. Look at, look at my data that I took. And they're like, whoa. You know, and I think that's where action research maybe, like, in the future, too, will play a part. And just really having that, not only being able to share it with colleagues and then beyond my classroom, mm -hmm. but really for yourself, too. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these conclusions that I drew, I don't know if I would have been able to had I not been going through this action research right. cycles. You know, if I hadn't been looking at data, if I hadn't yeah. been having discussions with my student teacher and my instructional aide and... 
Yeah. You know, and, and I got other people involved in it that got excited about doing it, too. It does sound like I think one of the things that's really cool about your project, and there's a lot that's cool about it, but I like the sort of like the natural collaboration that happened, um, I think is really powerful. Um, which, which brings us to this last question. Um, when you, have you had the chance to share your research with other teachers, or do you think, how do you think about how your research could impact other, te other teachers in your building or other teachers in um, your PLC? Well, <clears throat> I shared a lot, like after our last action research cycle, I, I shared all my data and my findings with my PLC. Now, because I was doing this, you know, project, right. I, I was very serious about like sticking, you know, introducing the strategies and sticking to certain things. Mm -hmm. And so after that PLC, one of my coworkers was like, okay, I went home, I reread. She also came in and observed me one afternoon. Okay. And kind of saw it in action, and then that made her excited. Oh, awesome. To try it. So she was like, okay, I went home, I reread such and such, and like we are starting tomorrow. Because it's kind of, when you start something new, it's kind of intimidating to start something halfway through the year or like right. almost close to the end of the third nine weeks. Right. And so, not that they hadn't been doing anything, but you know, if you really want to like revamp. Sure. And so. I feel like my coworkers have gotten excited about it because of, um, you know, how, how, how I've shared how it's helped my class. And then I'm also going to go, um, a friend of mine is, teaches a, a classroom management class, and so she asked me to come talk oh, that's to awesome. them about some of the strategies, too. So I'm excited to share that. That's awesome. Well, your data is really awesome, and you have a good... You know, I love I love the stories that you tell about how it's looked in your classroom. So that's really exciting. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for giving us your time, and hope the rest of your school year ends well. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, you too. Stephanie.